why are we here? And, and what's with the uh, garish, I think is the polite way of putting it, uh, colour scheme for the, the intro slides for, for the podcast? Well, there was only ever going to be one artistic direction of travel with two children of the 80s slightly let loose in a sort of creative director role commissioning graphic designers. Uh, it's fair to say you and I both have sort of legacy tastes that were formed in the, the crucible of day glow socks. Oh, um, fluorescent pins. Oh. Yeah, uh, skiing jackets, uh, just sort of general, general garishness. Like for, for me, the graphic design peaked in the late 80s with the Stefan Edberg Adidas tennis wear, uh, sort of splodges of color, uh, and and just kind of more is more, which I, in fact in fact I, I still hold. But I've still got I've got I've still got the trainers. Uh, well, the reissue. This is the reissue of the uh, Stefan Edberg, and as you'll see from the riot of pinks and purples and blues, uh, it's that taste has never left me. So it's important that we are true to ourselves in in the brand that we create and execute. As everyone says, you know. Your brand isn't just about colours and logos, it's about who you are and what you do. <laughs> and what we do is neon and stands out, we could say. So uh, I, I kind of, that's where we came from with this. I am slightly concerned that we are betting the farm on appealing to quite a, a narrow slice of, uh, of, of the public sector, both here in the UK and internationally, with, uh, with our, our approach to colour. Um, you know, the... the these, these are the colours of the internet, as you always tell me. I don't know what that means, but perhaps you could elaborate. But. It's, 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 a, it's a theory I have that the, the internet has uh, obviously started off being that, that sort of challenger sort of uh, platform for content relative to sort of analogue and, and, and print. Uh, and obviously one of the things that was always very easy to do online is, is basically sort of jazz up the design of pages. Now, obviously, there's a few missteps in the early days of the internet for those who were... Uh, around to remember but certainly for me there's the internet has always been characterized by sort of a sort of disruptive uh sort of design elements and color's been a big part of that so it's think of it sort of so this is the color palette equivalent to interrupt uh, pop-up ads and all the rest of it but <laughs> be, uh, less annoying but, but certainly for, for me as a digital first brand i mean we're all about saying well Know, one of the silver linings of 2020 is the ability for everyone to sort of get into the conversation completely uh, without any degree of self-consciousness when it's virtual. Uh, I mean, we've all made that shift. 2020 has taught us that, nothing else. Yeah. Um, and so obviously what we're doing at scale with GovX Digital as a conference is just saying, well, you know, when you, when you remove the walls from a physical venue and say that everyone's invited, what can you do differently in terms of the sort of conversations you can engineer? But uh, so anyway, so uh, when I say sort of it's the colour of the internet, uh, I think that's entirely appropriate. And obviously, uh, you know, I have to admit to liking sort of bright colour schemes, as, yeah. as, as as you said. You know, exhibit is today's rather alluring sort of orange number. Uh, yeah, I, I like the fact that you've sort of moved into the autumnal colour palette of wardrobe. That's, that's excellent. I feel like we may have slightly driven down a cul-de-sac here that we need to reverse out of. Uh, why, why are we here, James? What, what is this thing we're in, the upload? Uh, perhaps we should explain what that's about. 
Well, frankly, you, you saw me having so much fun with the GovX show interviewing, obviously, the amazing speakers we have lined up for GovX Digital, that, you know, you, you needed to create a vehicle for yourself to get in front of the camera, uh, if, you know, just to ensure that it wasn't just a case of, of you sort of twiddling with, with knobs who were misses, uh, with the, obviously the production of the, the podcast, which yeah. those of you listening, we also distribute via YouTube. So uh, if, if you really are keen to see how orange my shirt is today and how lurid Tim's trainers were, then obviously, you know, toddle along to, to YouTube uh, and the GovX digital channel there, and you'll, you'll see it all in sort of a GovX vision, which is like Technicolor, but dialed up, I think. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the content, I mean, what are we trying to achieve here in this short? Uh, well, we thought it'd be five minutes, well, but I think we're well, probably touching well, that already. Rapidly lengthening as we sort mm -hmm. of go off on all sorts of details. I'm hoping this is like a the intro the intro sub episode sort of springboard, and that the others will be pithier and, and more to the point. But okay. I mean, one of the advantages of digital, obviously, is you know you can move fast, break things, iterate, experiment, uh, and try new stuff. And so, in a sense. This is a, a diffusion brand to the uh, I suppose the one to one interviews that we we've been doing uh, in the GovX show, uh, and it's really I suppose an opportunity for you and I to sort of share some of the excitement about some of the amazing conversations that that we have literally on a day to day basis as we're speaking obviously with with our speakers, but also with the, the wider community of, of the public sector here in the UK in particular, obviously who are, who are attending the conference. One of the things that you know, we take a great interest in when people register for, for the conference, you know, we like to reach out to them uh, and get to know them. And out of that, we get some really interesting sort of insights into, you know, what, what, what matters right now, what their focus is. Uh, yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, so it's a real perk of the job that we spend so much time talking to these people. Uh, and this is really an opportunity to unpack that. I mean, for example, speaking to Anthony Collard, who is a, uh, I think the, the director of strategy innovation at HMRC. Uh, so he was and his team were responsible for getting the, the eat out to help out scheme off the ground. Okay. So for, for those of you not in the UK, this was a government scheme basically to encourage people in the in the sort of uh, now seems a long time ago but in the summer when uh, we were sort of unwinding from the, the first lockdown. Uh, government sort of brought in a scheme to encourage people to go out on Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays to, to restaurants uh, and basically provide provided sort of discounts on the, the meals. So um, hugely popular scheme, 100 million meals I think were claimed. Uh, I think it led to a 50% increase in the, the number of people eating out in the first half of the week on a year on year basis. So, you know, just a, an amazing example of uh, a, of a, program that was developed you know practically in five minutes and then rolled out by a team sort of working all hours and just an example that you know government has always been making a difference but in 2020 we're seeing sort of the the wider public is directly engaging with the the the, the difference that you know civil servants and local government officials are making here in the uk and indeed around the world so that's just one example and we just want to make sure that when we have these conversations and where we're allowed to obviously we just share it with a, a broader audience yeah i mean it's, it's interesting at the risk of playing covid bingo and hitting all those kind of buzzwords around new normal and you know nothing will be the same again and governments all around the world and you know we 
we've been speaking to you know government colleagues in Denmark and so on who rolled out five programs in in a week in terms of their compensation schemes uh, so this situation is forcing the public sector to be that thing that I think it's aspired to be which is agile and able to respond and able to harness technology I mean it, the, the big thing in my mind that uh, and it comes with multiple caveats is is the launch of the NHS test and trace app uh, in the past sort of 10 days it it hasn't had a smooth journey uh, from inception you know this is the second iteration but I think when the dust settles on the sort of technical challenges around it what it means as a in terms of wider implications around a government's appetite for an ability to execute digital services in this case a sort of you know, critical service but also around the public's uh, appetite to accept and adopt them I mean you know it had 12 million downloads in the first few days um, you know when I take my kids to football scanning on the QR code when we get there so this this kind of suggests to me that there is a there is a now a sort of changing tide whether it lasts post-covid would be interesting to see but that there is a more of an appetite for widespread adoption of GovTech. I think the idea of what GovTech is might become more sort of prevalent in the kind of popular narrative. I mean, you know, people within government public sector would know it, but you said GovTech to the average person on the street, they're probably not going to get it. Whereas if you pointed at this app and said, well, this is a piece of GovTech designed to, you know, create, uh, you know, data that the government can use to, to combat a pandemic and what have you. Uh, there's a really interesting quote from a uh, post from Tom Goodwin yesterday, who's a kind of digital provocateur who has a kind of very big following online and so on. And he was saying that the, nobody's talking about the fact that having an app as a primary means of tackling COVID is a potential risk in terms of leaving people behind, you know, people that aren't in any way digitally literate, don't have smartphones or what have you. But that's always going to be the case. So is it time that everybody just sort of takes a deep breath and says right we have to go for it now we have to make the move to a digital first provision of public services public safety public well-being what it might be i mean you know yeah in the 70s and 80s have had mobile phones in their lives now so the the idea of people who have completely sort of the digital world has passed them by it, it's it's fading so there are still people there and, and we can't leave yeah, them behind right. i think there's a change coming I, mean, I, I, I go several stops on the bus journey uh, along with you. I, mean, I think that government is here to serve all citizens and therefore it has a responsibility to ensure that it is you know, reaching out to and, uh, and supporting those who you know, don't have access to the internet for whatever reason, don't have mobile phones. Um, but I think that you know, test and trace, of which the app is a key part, is a lot bigger than just the app. Um, but certainly... You know, I think that the app is, is really, have you, have you used it? Have you downloaded it? I mean, I have. Um, it, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I didn't have any issues with it. I know there are issues around it's certain test results. Straightforward. I think, you know, we benchmark straightforward against, you know, uh, products that have been developed by the likes of Google and, you know, Facebook and, you know, uh, huge sort of uh, uh, platforms with you know tens of thousands if not more engineers working on, on, on it uh, the fact that we think 
it's 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 sort of normal um, is a huge a huge win I think for yeah. uh, you know uh, a public sector technology sort of rollout um, and it's interesting you know um, I think I, I looked at the numbers because I was curious about this to see how how you know the UK sort of download rate was was doing relative to others I think at the same time uh, after launch uh, in Germany their COVID app in July had been downloaded about eight million times so that puts us over 50 percent of, of of what they achieved in the first few days now obviously i suppose covid now is um you know it's much more front of mind perhaps than it was during the house in days of the summer so perhaps that's a, a reason for the for the rapid take up here in the uk uh, but certainly you know even in france they they rolled out their app in um the beginning of june and even now, they're only up to three million downloads. So, okay. you know, and no one could say in France today that uh, people aren't, uh, you know, very aware of uh, of the of the second sort of spread of yeah. uh, COVID. So certainly, I think that the UK has done something very positive. Uh, it's you know here in, in in England, I'm not sure what the numbers are for the Scottish equivalent app, but in England and Wales, uh, I think that. The app is great. I've used it. I think that a, a real killer application for it is going to be as more and more venues, in particular shops, perhaps, um, sort of start using the sort of NHS COVID app QR code everywhere. It's just yeah. going to encourage people to say, oh, "Well, I know what I'm meant to be doing. I'll scan in." And as we sort of, sort of scan in and use the app repeatedly, obviously, adoption is just going to you know further snowball. So, I mean, as you know, I think you are to a certain extent yourself as well. I'm very much a glass, glass half full kind of person. So I, I think that there is a lot to celebrate here. Yeah. I mean, it, it reminds me of my favorite, my favorite quote of the week was from our podcast with uh, Sally Meacham, the Centre for Digital Public Services in Wales. Uh, and she was talking about uh, kind of how digital service providers and developers in the public sector need to think about their customer or their end user. Uh, I've got it here. She said the user doesn't want to waste their time mucking around and getting upset by public services and trying to work them out. They need to come in, do something, get out, and do something more important and more interesting. And I think it's a it's a pretty stark way of putting it. Is that this, they're not browsing for a leisure break on lastminute.com. Mm. It's a it's a piece of necessary admin, public information, public safety. So. The more you can do to make it as streamlined and non-sticky as possible, it's kind of job done. So going back to what you said, you know, frames of reference around the NHS app might be, oh, well, well, the UX on an Apple app might be different, but you're not comparing like for like here. So it's a kind of pointless comparison. I think, again, it's about that adoption and yeah. how the public can perceive it. I mean, in a sense, we benchmark the user experience against sort of brands, as I mentioned before, who, in a sense, they want us to live in their, their, their online experience, their digital experience. And so they want to create a sort of very sticky experience where, in a sense, government sort of technology sort of rollouts understand that, you know, I don't want to spend my time in an NHS app. I want to use it, but get in, get on, get out. Uh, yeah. Likewise, you know, if I'm dealing with uh, you know, sort of personal tax and, and stuff online, uh, I'm going to be spending hours there. There's, the, the government doesn't want to keep me there. It wants to sort of 
satisfy my my want in as short a period of time as, as possible so that I, I finish the transaction and that something is achieved before I sort of lose interest or get distracted by, by the you know, real life. So, uh, so there's an interesting tension here that, you know, whilst we benchmark a service against likes of, you know, as I said, the, the key brands I was talking about, the, the online consumer brands, uh, the, 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 the role of, of that government digital user experience is very different. It's, it's not trying to promote stickiness. It's trying to, um, you know, be as uh, friction-free as possible. Yeah, yeah. So... You picked up that's, on Sally. I mean, obviously, that was a, a lovely uh, sort of interview we had with her. She's obviously you know, now a really exciting times in the Welsh public sector because uh, effectively the devolved administration is working very closely across the public sector in Wales, so local government, but also healthcare, um, to sort of really sort of push, uh, I guess, uh, Sort of common sort of standards, um, common sort of audit of, of the skills available to, to yeah. enable the, the next generation of services, and obviously sort of build those sort of uh, those interconnected services across across sort of, sort of functional silos. So um, I know that she's going to be speaking in the Agile Government session. Um, that's on the second day of our event on the 18th, uh, and she is. She's been matched up by, by Terry Makewell, and I always get this wrong, who's uh, the, uh, the CCO of the uh, UK Hydrographic Office, and then Catherine Benjamin, who is the Deputy CTO of New York City. So again, you know, what Wales is doing is really interesting, and sort of just bringing that into a conversation alongside, you know, Terry uh, with his sort of uh, central government hat, and, uh, and then, you know, getting that sort of completely sort of, not quite left field perspective, but, but you know, uh, yeah. An interesting perspective from uh, one of the the real sort of pace setters in in North America in terms of uh, city administration. Uh, so certainly, I think you know, yes, another example of all of these conversations. They sort of like they feed into these these live panels that we're organising, which uh, you know I'm I'm pretty confident are going to have a a lot of really exciting insights sort of stem from. Yeah, and if if nothing else. We get to enjoy you saying the word hydrographic, uh, yes. which I always enjoy the, the intake of breath and the pause as you process that. Uh, it's not hydroponic, it's hydrographic. Uh, I am almost certain that I'll get it wrong at some point as well. You, you, get, you get it wrong once whilst doing a, a podcast or you know, in an interview, uh, and then it becomes a bugbear. And then sort of even though 99% you know, of the time, you know, you know how to pronounce hydrographic, uh, the moment it, it's it's sort of looming on on the horizon as something that you're going to have to sort of pronounce uh, publicly, uh, that that's when you start sort of stumbling. But anyway, I, I think I I, I struggle with the word digital, which is a bit of a shame, oh given it's part of our company. But digital, uh, I'm practicing it. I think I need to say it slower. That's the trick. Uh, what, if it's not digital, what, what else is it? It's it's just it's just the it's, it's the soft j in, in the middle just trips me. Digital. Yeah, I know how to say. It. I'm just... probably going to sort of say digital from now on, but uh, I'll, I'll it's find not it. that I don't understand how the word is pronounced. It's actually getting the word out. Anyway, uh, is 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 there anything else burning in your brain that you need to share with us, or are you going to let me get on with my day? Uh, what else to say? Uh, there was one thing. I mean, so uh, one of the sessions well, we'll come to that in a second but i mean i saw that over in europe a dutch court uh just ordered officials to 
stopped using an algorithm on the grounds that it was discriminating against immigrants and people in low income households, um, which I thought was quite interesting because we saw something similar to that happen earlier this year. I don't know if you remember, but South Wales police, so they were using facial recognition technology, and that was declared unlawful in the courts here um, because it couldn't be proven that the algorithms being used for facial recognition technology by the police uh, didn't exhibit sort of racial or gender bias. Um, and obviously, you know, since then we've had, and this is a technical term, uh, we've had the cock up of uh, the use of an algorithm to essentially assess and uh, give awards uh, of A-levels to students. So for, mm. for the non-Brits in the in the audience, uh, so A-levels is the exam that uh, uh, school leavers take before going on to sort of tertiary education or employment. Um, so, so basically, the algorithm we were using here in the UK had the effect of downgrading students who went to the worst schools. Uh, so you can see, you can imagine sort of, you know, the challenges that that had, not just optics, but uh, so I mean, it really sort of, gratuitous cartoon reference, but I mean, who watches The Watchmen? So, you know, the AI that is increasingly being used to automate decision-making obviously is based on assumptions. I think we have to make that really explicit. Mm. So, uh, one of the things that I thought was a bit interesting was that uh, uh, off the back of, of these various cases, in, in, in Europe, uh, Helsinki and Amsterdam have announced that I think it's an algorithm register. So this is where the city governments are basically requiring all the algorithms being used for, for AI in their cities to be sort of listed publicly so that sort of third parties can interrogate, sort of, you know, uh, community groups can, can basically say, I want to look at the, AI, the algorithm, the model, the, the data set used to train the algorithm uh, so I can work out what assumptions have been made and whether there's sort of, you know, unconscious bias uh, that's crept in. So I think that's quite interesting because we're really seeing the sort of the ethical dimension of AI sort of creep into this. Uh, I, was in, I was having a, a chat with, uh, I won't mention their name, uh, sort of an AI vendor the other day, and I was quite taken aback by, by how the extent to which he was sort of downplaying this as an issue. I think that actually really, uh, you know, should alert government organizations that if, if the vendors peddling AI sort of you know, downplay this as an issue, then it's definitely an issue which, which they need to take very seriously. Um, and uh, certainly it's something we're covering because Joanna uh, Bryson, who is a professor at the Hersey School, she uh, was the co-author of the UK's first national AI ethics uh, report. Uh, so she is speaking in uh, sort of AI-driven government, a session that we're doing alongside uh, Stefano Quintarelli, who is the chair of Italy's equivalent to GDS, which is, uh, what is it? It's the... Uh, agency for digital Italy I think he's also the European Commission's lead AI expert uh, and I think that uh, one of the the many lessons is, is a year which keeps giving us lessons but one of the many lessons of 2020 I suppose has been the the impact of unconscious bias uh, and the algorithms that underpin AI sort of just open up a completely new field for for, for no, if not minefield uh, for, for government to have to negotiate to make sure that you know it's not another sort of uh, sort of uh, impediments to having the sort of kind of society that you know we, we all want yeah i mean that's the key point isn't it it's the some of the issues around ai don't pertain just to people sort of creating and embedding the technology the outcomes and the implications of 
AI being a play in public services means that everybody in the public sector needs to get their head around the moral maze, the kind of background implications sets it, you know, if we're going to sort of flag some sessions that are coming up at the conference, then don't, don't see the, don't see two letters AI and think, well, I'm not a sort of technical person, I'll, I'll pass because we're going to be unpacking a lot of the social outcomes and ethical implications as well. It's not, it's not a techie stream. It's a, it's a people stream underpinned by the outcomes of AI. And I think Absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you go back 20 years, I'm sure there'd have been conferences saying, you know, uh, the internet and government, and mm. that, that wasn't, that, as it turned out, that wasn't a session just uh, of, of import for, you know, the, the IT managers and directors of, of, of the day. It was something that was you know, transformational uh, for, for, you know, for, for society, let alone the public sector. So likewise, AI, I mean, it's not a future technology. It is here now, it is amongst us, and we need to understand the incredible opportunities that AI has to, to automate decision-making at scale. I mean, I am a, a sort of, you know, a fundamentally a, a huge enthusiast for the value that AI will bring and allow people to sort of focus on sort of higher order tasks and create more value, uh, which is, you know, can only be a good thing. Uh, but, you know, like all technologies, uh, it's, it's how they're used and we just have to sort of be aware that we need to pay attention to that. So that social dimension is, as you said, is, is really important. Um, so, I mean, realizing that uh, we're, we're, we're about to sort of uh, blow all expectations for how long this episode was. I'll just wrap up very quickly, perhaps, by saying that I suppose another exciting news Yesterday, I uh, spoke to one of our speakers from KPMG, uh, so really excited for, for that podcast to be published in the next week or so. Um, and they are speaking about, I suppose, long-term planning uh, and, and sort of what governments need to be doing now uh, in order to uh, achieve the results. Uh, and so that's part of a, a session that we're, we've got called uh, Cathedral Thinking, um, which is, you know, again, it's all about sort of uh, trying to look multi-generational what does government want to achieve and then breaking that down to the steps and ensuring that the things we're doing now are aligned with where we want now to end up at in you know in, in decades time so i think that's going to be a, a great session and then obviously uh, you and i are catching up with google this afternoon uh, which is excited about because uh, we're looking to hopefully confirm which topic uh, they're going to be sort of getting involved with and my sense is that it's going to be something to do with digital workplace and, and how those government organizations need to plan for you know, how their staff will be working in future so again you know super exciting um, and then I suppose you know something that we've mentioned a little bit on social media uh, but obviously very exciting that we've crossed the, the 500 delegate registrations threshold which yeah. I think uh, some some people said it would never happen, but uh, I, 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 I built the agenda and you went off and marketed it. So, you know, sort of back slaps all around. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's not really about us uh, and the fact that, you know, we, we've hit a particular sort of numerical milestone. I think it just really reflects the appetite for conversations uh, about change in the UK public sector and how that's also resonated obviously with a lot of our international speakers. And that, 2020, whilst it has obviously been an awful year in so many respects, it's also, I think, uh, going to be a springboard for a lot of positive change as we move forward. And I, I hope that, you know, in our small way, that uh, GovX Digital was a part of that. Yeah. Well, that's an uplifting note 
on which to uh, to wrap I mean, things up. Right? I mean, you know, Mr. Uplift, they, they should yeah. be me. But. The narrative arc was like a Disney movie. It's beautiful, happy ending, <laughs> which 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 makes makes us all have the warm, fuzzy glow that we want for the rest of the day. I think it's been good, been good that we've, in, a, in an offshoot podcast that was supposed to be a plucky, smaller sibling to the GovX show, but it's probably a longer sibling than the, uh, the GovX show. We've done a, a nice little run through some GovTech stories. Um, so it won't always be as techy as this, but so next time we'll, we'll maybe delve into another of our kind of conference streams and the kind of big topics that yeah. we're going on. There's, yeah, there's so much going on. Uh, Six streams uh, and bucket loads of sessions uh, in each stream to sort of, uh, sort of examine and sort of unpack. Uh, and certainly loads of loads of calls lined up today and over the next few days, which I'm sure, you know, there'll be some interesting snippets emerged from that. So certainly that's a really good idea. We can take a look at another, another stream, another thematic focus for the next episode. Great. Right, well, we'll, uh, we'll power down uh, and go around to our business and hopefully catch everybody on the next episode of the upload. Woohoo! Bye right, then, take care. See you. Bye.